time for my guest, for our Monday Mover and Shaker. My guest does her share of moving and shaking. <clears throat> I've got a tickly thrown. She's juggling a number of jobs. Not only is she the editor for Sassy Hong Kong and a social impact consultant, but she is indeed the founder of Fair Play Learning, a social enterprise that actively works with international local students to create a curriculum that develops additional life skills and a more holistic approach to education. Her idea to get more proactive with education started at the age of 14. That was almost a decade ago, by the way, uh, after her school trip to Cambodia. Let me welcome my guest in the studio, Tanya, Tanya Shroff. Good afternoon to Good you, afternoon. Tanya. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, it's lovely to have you. And what a story. Now, before we even go into asking you a little bit about how this all started, well, it is, it is really about how it all started. Tender age of 14, you went to a Cambodia orphanage. Yes. Right. So what happened? Like, Tell me about how the whole idea about education came into your mind. So I think um, at 14, I definitely wasn't um, thinking about starting anything of my own, but um, I was one of many children who were fortunate enough to go on a school trip to Cambodia. Um, we, I was at KG5 at the time, an ESF school. Um, the school that I now work with through mm -hmm. Fair Play wow. was the first school to sign up through our pilot program. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I think it was it was really the first time I was out of Hong Kong by myself and truly started to think about what the word fortunate meant um, and all the different ways in which um, I had been given opportunities in life, really a good education, a good family, um, loving support system and good health, the basic necessities to really get through your day to day um, and what a privilege that was and to start to think about how I could utilise all those privileges and kind of accumulate them into doing good. Wow. And so what happened from there? Now you, you decided that oh, this is something yeah. I want to do. So was it a long process to so set this up? So about um, three it was definitely a pivotal moment um, coming back at 14 from Cambodia. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I, I um, was one of those kids who probably started working. I was working in a inter local school kindergarten at 16, mm -hmm. um, just helping with admin stuff, helping to run classes. Um, I then went to university in the UK and worked as a mentor all the while that I was there to prevent bullying for secondary school students. Um, and so I saved up and bought myself a flight ticket back to Cambodia at, I think I was about 20, 19 maybe. Okay. Um, and um, I wanted to be able to buy the plane ticket and also donate double the plane ticket, mm -hmm. um, knowing that actually me being there for a month was probably less beneficial than being able to fundraise a little sure. bit as well. Sure. Um, and so, yes, about three, three and a half years ago, I started playing around with the idea of how I could help more students who were in a similar situation who maybe hadn't been as fortunate as I had been. Um, and and then I also started thinking about my peers who were in their mid-twenties and mid-thirties who were just feeling a little bit disconnected from themselves, from their creativity and from their community. Mm -hmm. And thinking about why that was and how we could stop that feeling from hitting future generations. So it is very much, it's a two-way street here, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. There's lots of benefits for you and obviously the people who you're involved with and 100%. obviously the people. Now, what are the, the sort of main issues you saw? What was the thing that really bothered you about where you wanted to make a difference and change things? 
I think um, it really was twofold in the sense that on one side I was looking at the fact that one in five children in Hong Kong live below the poverty line. I think that's a shocking statistic um, considering it's just a 10 minute MTR ride away from where we are sitting right now that students aren't even getting three meals a day, some of them, or the access to um, you know, the care and attention and affection that you should be getting at the ages, at any age really. Mm -hmm. um, and. So that was one side of the problem. And then the other side was looking at students who had been given every opportunity and still felt that discontentment and disconnection mm -hmm. um, and thinking about how there were qualities that matched both both student sets. Um, and those became our three pillars for fair play. So right. they are confidence, teamwork and empathy. Right. So we try to cultivate those qualities in the students through okay. a sense of character education, looking at being kind of a little bit more value driven versus grade driven. Okay. So how does this what's how is the process? So these are things you want to do. So how do you get about getting those students? Do you go to them? They come to you? What is the process? Yeah. So um we're still on quite a small scale at the moment, but we do have capacity to expand next year. So mm -hmm. this year, it's um, we ran our pilot program in February. Mm -hmm. um, and for that, I was actually incredibly fortunate. I reached out to um, KG5, as I mentioned, um, mm -hmm. and they have a big commitment to the community already in Hong Kong and were very keen to get involved in a program like Fair Play. Um, and so they... They supported it from the get-go. Right. Um, and on the other side of things, I'd been working with The Hub Hong Kong, which is a Hong Kong charity yes. that already works primarily in Sham Po. I think they've spoken yes, on RTHK yes, yes, as well. Yes, I think so. Um, and so they were incredibly supportive. The founders there and um, the people who work for The Hub, I'd done a little bit of work with them anyway. So the two of them kind of came together mm -hmm. and I recruited students from both sets. Um, and now we work with the team and we run classes out of KG5's premises that they mm -hmm. kindly donate to us for mm -hmm. the afternoon. Um, we have our program coordinator who is incredibly value driven and a great fit for fair play. So it's mm -hmm. great to have her on board helping to run the classes. Fantastic. And we bring students from the hub in Sham Po on a bus, send them to KG5, run a drama and English class with them mm -hmm. where we talk about these kinds of qualities, um, Kind of what age are we talking? Oh, yeah, this is obviously KG5 you're talking. Yes, so there are two yeah. sets. So yes. the KG5 students are between the ages of 15 and 17. Okay. Um, and the hub students are between the ages of 7 to 12. That's so great. a big range of age groups. But I think what's important is is that the age becomes less relevant when you're talking about values because sure. everyone can learn something sure. about values Absolutely. no matter what age you are. Um, mm. So it's been really special to see so, that come together. So give me an example of, um, you know, you've got them, say, doing drama and things like that. How do you convey some of those things? Like, say, Absolutely. you know, building a child's confidence, you know, a child was a young child or a teenager. There are certain ways of doing it where they actually don't, not really aware of the fact that Absolutely. you're working on it. So give me an example of how you might, say, sure. spend an afternoon. Um, so I think it, what's important is that it actually begins with social impact workshops, which just involve Fair Play and KG5 students, mm -hmm. or international students, rather, because as we've expanded. Um, and so after working with um, international students who are a little bit older, where we do talk quite full on about what are your values, what do you feel your purpose and passions are, how do you want to see those qualities in your job? How do you see yourself giving back to the community through your job? And questions like that. Mm -hmm. We then take those students into the English and drama um, classes with right. the hub students, where we run different skill drills. So it could be anything from asking them what makes a good listener? 
going around the class and saying things like eye contact, posture, body language, mm-hmm. looking engaged, mm. um, very basic things like that. And um, actually brings up a, a good memory of um, a boy that we had in our pilot program who has ADHD. Mm-hmm. And the first few sessions, he really did struggle. He was lying on the floor. He wasn't fully concentrating, arguably trying to disrupt the class a little bit but definitely not intentionally Mm -hmm. um and by the fifth or sixth class we started to see his attitude start to change um and towards the end of the program i remember sitting in a circle and asking the students what does confidence mean to you and he his hand shot up into the air already a great sign because putting your hand up in a classroom is already a sign of confidence Uh um and a sign of respect to your team (laughs) that you are waiting your turn to talk and he just says to me, confidence means being brave. Aww. And I just remember thinking how lucky I was to be a part of that journey Absolutely. and how special it was that everyone in the class then started to think about what that little boy had gone through at the age of eight mm. um, and his own personal take on, on it. That's so nice. <laughs> well, I think that's a good point where I'm going to stop you now and we're going to talk a little bit more. Um, but that's, that's amazing. That's great. And my guest in the studio this afternoon is Tanya Shroff. And um, Tanya, you've just been telling me a little bit about some of the work that you do. Um, Now, you know, what has been the most challenging part of it, setting this up? So I think every startup comes with a set of challenges and social enterprises have a very unique set of um, their own challenges. Um, And I think I found the first one um, really trying to um, recognize the fact that there's so much that we don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know that might sound Mm -hmm. slightly counterproductive, but being able to ask the right questions and keeping the idea malleable enough that when the answers come in, you're able to mold them around it um, was a really big learning curve for me. And I think your biggest learning curve is also, you know, your biggest opportunity for growth and something that we try to teach the students is growth mindset and something that's talked about a lot nowadays in education Um, and I think having that instilled and looking at everything as kind of an opportunity to fine-tune the idea and make it better Mm -hmm. and you know never taking the no as personal but taking the yes (laughs) in hindsight when you set this up if somebody had given you any kind of advice and said look you know Tanya before you go forth remember this so that would be a bit to understand just to even ask more questions um would probably be and Mm -hmm. not be not hide from not shy from asking those questions in the first place i think um when they're coming from a place of care they're always worth Mm -hmm. worth the asking Mm -hmm. because it is very much about you creating a very sort of bespoke curriculum isn't it absolutely and and you need to have an awareness too i suppose about the background of each of those children Definitely. because that will certainly influence the way that you teach them. A hundred percent, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. each each student's reaction to it is so different. And whether they're, you know, from an international school or from a local school living below the poverty line, what they're coming and what they're bringing to each class is vastly different. And, and to accept that and take that and stay present with that and in the moment is... Um, it's the skill that you learn and you acquire and you know you're learning all the time there are times i'm sitting in the classroom talking to 
trying to manage a group of kids on one side, trying to, you know, get a photo taken for social media on the other side. Mm -hmm. And you suddenly realize you're writing with your left hand. (laughs) It's one Mm -hmm. of those moments where you just, you just don't even realize how much um, the human brain is capable of. And I think every single person has that capacity to learn and grow and reach their potential. And yeah, it's all about trying to bring that out in each student, I suppose. So (laughs) what would be your aim now? I mean, it looks as if you're reasonably established and you've got a number of, um, you know, you're dealing with schools and you're dealing with children. What is your sort of aim? Like if if I said, like, you have a wish, what what would it be? Where do you want to see this go? So I think, you know, we've made a real effort to make sustainability and scalability a core objective for Mm -hmm. Fair Play. It's Mm -hmm. kind of sewn into the fabric of the the company. Um, So I definitely, definitely want to see it grow. And I think we've seen that happening already. Um, I'd love for the idea of social and emotional learning to be embedded into curriculums of schools in local schools and international schools and not just in Hong Kong but all over the world I'd, I'd love for that to be the direction that mm. education starts moving into mm. um, to see the difference that that starts to bring you know what would a generation of kind compassionate supportive empathetic individuals look like what would that look like if all our 14 year olds right now suddenly made that their priority instead mm. of getting a a mm. <laughs> or getting a seven if you're studying ib sure. <laughs> sure. i suppose you know the thing is that perhaps in hong kong just generally in this neck of the woods there is a huge pressure on children yeah. isn't there Absolutely. i mean i i ha- i know a little nine-year-old and seriously sometimes i'll kind of give her a ring and say look do you want to go and see a film because her mum kind of likes it if i take her out every so often <laughs> and um then she'll actually say to me oh i'm so busy i've got exams i have this i have this i have this so it's like one thing after another but she's quite a confident young confident young lady but you know i think that sort of the way that you're doing it is really nice because some of those skills aren't necessarily ones that they're going to get in, in the in the classroom, are absolutely. they? Absolutely, you know? absolutely. And it's, it's about helping them prioritise as well what's important to you. Mm-hmm. You know, something that we talk about a lot with the students who are very confident already is what values do you, do you hold closest to your heart or... Um, what qualities do you want to see in your career or mm-hmm. in your job? And what's really interesting is seeing people say things like, you know, t- working as a team mm-hmm. or being creative or getting to travel. Um, and I think coming in as somebody who does work multiple jobs and started a social enterprise, it's actually a really nice talking point because it proves that anyone can do it. Uh, I don't think that it, I don't think it's me specific by any means. I think that every single student has that in them. And if, if they were to take the time to try to bring that out, it would be a really special time for everyone. <laughs> well, I think you're doing a marvellous job. Um, I just want to say, if anyone can hear some funny noises in the background, there are there is some work going on somewhere in the studio <laughs> around here. It sounds like a rumbling stomach in the background, but um, it is just some work that's going on. So don't don't think it's your radio or anything like that. Now, so tell me, Tanya, what have you got planned now? Have you got some sort of a project or something that you're working on at the moment? which you're going to keep under wraps, but you can tell us about. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we've got some exciting things lined up for 2020. Um, I I was saying the team and I have been working quite hard to make sure that we've got a bit more of an online presence as well. So do mm-hmm. check us out online. Our website is live. Um, and I'm so sure Sadia will link it later. Yes, it'll um, be there on the Facebook and page. 
Yeah, we've started thinking about and shortlisting our schools that we want to start partnering with and different charities that we're already in talks with. Mm -hmm. So trying to keep that, um, you know, trying to keep, make sure that the quality of the program stays exactly the same, even as the quantity expands. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that we hold really close to our heart as Mm -hmm. a team at Fairplay. Can I ask you, actually, I I should have asked this earlier on, but how how do you get finance for this? I mean, when the schools get you in, because you are a social enterprise. Um, you know, when the schools get you in, do you, you don't have to pay for the classroom space. Do you, how do you get support? Because also in terms of volunteers, how about the people who support you to do these things? Yes, absolutely. So actually, um, the funding comes from both sides. Mm -hmm. Um, charities do get, um, if you're registered and have section 88 in Hong Kong, you do get donations to run programs like this. And that was something that was kind of made clear very early on. Like we want to be investing in programs like yours and we want to be making sure that our education model is evolving with the time and catering to what students really need um, and also through international schools so both sides actually help to fund um, which is such as which is why it's a sustainable model it's sure. not solely based off you know sponsorships or donors that we're going to um, although that's definitely something that would be open on the horizon mm-hmm. so it's, fundraising you'd think about that yes, to yeah, support definitely you. thinking about fundraising mm-hmm. for next year mm-hmm. um, and that would be a big part of it because if we had the funds to expand um, we'd then be in every school in Hong Kong. Absolutely. <laughs> and also, how big a team do you have at the moment? We have four people, including myself, on the team at okay. the moment. Yes. Okay, they're not all juggling four jobs like you. Or anything oh, they're like all that. juggling a few things at the moment. <laughs> but I think that's just the way the world's moving, to be honest. I yeah. think it kind of ticks different parts of your own personality. And, you know, I come back to Fair Play so fueled because of the other work that I do. Sure. And you learn from it too, Absolutely. don't you? It's, it's all a matter of the different channels coming together and picking up from each one. Exactly. Listen, um, Tanya, thank Thank you very much Thank for you. being my mover and shaker today. <laughs> you certainly are a mover and shaker <laughs> and you're doing some amazing work. And um, she, Tanya was on Facebook Live um, with a few little glitches here and there, but I'm sure you can see it all. And if you'd like to see it, it's on Saudi Usmani on Radio 3 RTHK. Um, the podcast will also be available after the programme if you'd like to tune in. But I think they're doing a super job and I think, you know, I must get involved <laughs> and do stuff with you. Thank you <laughs> very much. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming today. Thank you so much.